0: Hi, everyone. It's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Friday, the 16th of July. Yesterday, we told you about how the unemployment rate fell to 4.9% in June. That's a a more than 10-year low. And that happened on the same day, New South Wales restrictions, uh, particularly for Sydney and the surrounding areas. The lockdown there was extended. And then we saw Victoria also announce its five-day lockdown. And that's, of course, because of the spreading Delta variant of COVID. Well, today, ANZ said that it expects around 60,000 jobs will be lost in New South Wales alone from July and August as a result of these lockdowns. But it has upgraded its forecasts for the unemployment rate. So for more on that, I spoke earlier with ANZ senior economist Catherine Birch.
1: So we're estimating that the lockdown in Greater Sydney and surrounds will mean that New South Wales employment falls by about 50 to 60,000 across July and August. Um, what this means for the unemployment rate? Well, it really has mixed uh, effects on the unemployment rate for the state, particularly if we see a big fall in participation. That's actually what we saw in the June labour market, market data, which reflected the Victorian lockdown, where actually Victoria's unemployment rate fell by 0.3 percentage points and is now the lowest in the country. Um, our latest numbers aren't, uh, are assuming that the Victorian lockdown will only go for five days, in which case there should be a minimal impact on the labour market. But of course, if that is extended, then there would be downside risks.
0: So in terms of economic impact, how is this Sydney lockdown different to the extended Victorian lockdown of 2020?
1: So there are a few differences. One is that, uh, you know, economic activity has become more resilient to lockdowns. So, for example, more retail has moved online, um, more restaurants and cafes are offering takeaway options, more people have the ability to work from home now. Um, Secondly, you know, the restrictions we're seeing in New South Wales aren't as strict as what we saw in Victoria's extended lockdown last year. So in Victoria last year, under stage four restrictions, there were more constraints around activity in industries like construction and manufacturing. So not only those um, services industries. Um, Thirdly, one of the differences is, well, we don't have JobKeeper anymore, um, but at the same time, we've seen New South Wales and federal governments step in to offer support for households and businesses. And some of those cash flow payments for businesses are contingent on those businesses not laying off workers. So that will also support
0: the labour market. So taking into account the Sydney lockdown, along with Victorian lockdown now, what does it mean for your longer term outlook?
1: So we've actually upgraded our forecasts. We're now expecting the unemployment rate to fall to 4.4% by the end of this year, down from our previous forecast of 4.8%. Now, a lot of that is due to what we've seen over the past couple of months uh, since we did our last forecast, where the unemployment rate has fallen um, by much more than we would have expected. Um, And secondly, even though we've seen some easing in some of the leading labour market indicators due to the Victorian lockdown, and we'll probably see a bit more easing in those leading indicators with the New South Wales lockdown they're still at very strong levels. We've still got a record high job vacancy rate, which is signalling that there's still a lot of labour demand out there. So still a lot of opportunity for people to take up employment.
0: So how does this recovery in the unemployment rate compare to that of previous ones?
1: Very well. I mean, the labour market cycle this time around has been really contained and compressed. Um, so it's only taken you know, just over a year for the unemployment rate to get back below where it was pre-pandemic. If we look at the 1990s recession, it took more than a decade for the unemployment rate to come back down. And if we look at the GFC, well, we actually haven't ever seen the unemployment rate get back to where it was pre-GFC.
0: And just finally, what does this all mean for RBA policy?
1: Well, at this stage, we don't expect any change to RBA policy due to the New South Wales lockdown. Um, but if we do see the economic data deteriorate, the RBA has the option to delay tapering its bond purchases, as it announced it would um, in its last meeting.
0: Catherine Birch there from ANZ. She's a senior economist. Now, the Australian share market, it actually rose today. The S&P a up by 0.2%, 7,348. Investors, though, still have the lockdowns on its mind more I spoke earlier with Fiona Clark from Merrick's Capital. Fiona, the market's not really doing much in terms of moving up or down today but are there any interesting moves?
2: Yeah, look, it's a pretty flat end to the week, and I guess that's what we would expect ahead of results season coming up. But what's two sort of interesting trends today is that continuation of the lackluster performance of the buy now pay later sector. So, Afterpay continuing to show some weakness after news this week that Apple Pay Later was going to be introduced, as well as the fact that PayPal was coming to Australia with uh, no late fees. So, weakness there. And the other surprising thing is the consumer discretionary sector was actually one of the best performing sectors today strong performances from some of the um, you know, travel and tourism stocks. So Flight Centre, Webjet, corporate travel all doing well, which is really surprising in light of the additional lockdown measures that we've seen announced in Melbourne and then in Sydney with the extension.
0: Speaking of those lockdowns, they're making the headlines in the general news space, right? What will it do to investors' sentiment, especially as we head into uh, the local reporting season?
2: It's a really interesting question. Um, In terms of sentiment, what we have seen in terms of both consumer sentiment and business sentiment with the prior lockdowns, keeping in mind that we're really experienced at this now, is that it does bounce back really quickly when things reopen. So I I think that we tend to know what's going to happen once we reopen, we're back shopping, we're back doing the things we normally do. So that should also be positive for investor sentiment. In terms of what it means for um, the upcoming reporting season, it just adds a little bit more volatility um, in particular, you know, we'll see some strong growth in a number of sectors. I think we're expecting sort of in the order of uh, 30% earnings growth overall for this reporting season. But instead of it just being about, you know, whether we've beat earnings estimates, whether we've missed earnings estimates, and then really looking at the forward guidance, that forward guidance is going to be more clouded this time because we've just had this additional lockdown and the uncertainty going forward in terms of vaccinations.
0: We had an update from Rio Tinto today amongst things that it mentioned, it warned of inflationary pressures. Is this going to be a theme going forward and what does it mean for investors?
2: Yeah, so the Rio Tinto um, result today was a little bit interesting, apart from the miss on the production numbers, which was disappointing. Yes, it did flag the higher production costs of 18 to $18.50 a tonne up from 1670 to seventeen seventy. dollars um, And yes, it is something that we will see more of. Um, Rio Tinto specifically referred to higher diesel costs and, and labour pressures which added to costs there. I think uh, this is going to be a trend we will see throughout the reporting season. Um, we've got supply chain issues. We've got higher labour costs. Um, we've also seen increased, you know, pretty much every commodity is at a multi-year high. I do think that that will be something to watch out for. What will be interesting is how much um, you know those those companies can pass them on so in in Rio's case yes iron ore prices are also at record highs it will still maintain you know pretty good margins but other companies may not be able to pass those costs on so that will be definitely something to watch out for.
0: And those commodity prices are invariably linked to the dollar the Australian dollar especially too what are you seeing?
2: Yeah, look, that's one of the interesting things that we've seen about this cycle is that um, we're seeing commodity prices rise as a as a function of a, a number of things, including ultra-stimulatory policies, both fiscal and monetary policy, stim, uh, policy around the world, and that's actually only going to continue. So, in terms of looking at where commodity prices are, we would normally expect to see the Aussie higher. In fact, the RBA has said that its policies have probably probably contributed to the Aussie being about five percent lower than where it should be. Now, that imbalance between commodity prices and the Aussie will have some sort of medium to longer term um, factors to watch out for. In the meantime, it does does suggest that we are going to see commodity prices being supported um, by those ultra low low rates and the demand that it creates.
0: Fiona Clark, there from Merrick's Capital. I'm Ricardo Gonzalez. Twitter, Instagram and Facebook is where you can find me, uh, along with TikTok at Business Ricardo.